You are listening to the Explore the Bible Students Leader Training Podcast, where we take a closer look at each session and prepare you, the leader, to teach the Bible and point students to Christ. Hey, Drew Dixon back with you for another look at uh, the fall 2021 study of Explore the Bible Students. We're in Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. This is session 12, and it's our last look at the book of Colossians. We're in Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 6. And our central truth is this, the gospel reshapes our relationships, giving them purpose and meaning. So we're going to look at a couple passages in, in Colossians 3 and then also in Colossians 4. And, uh, and in these, we're going to see how, how the gospel reshapes all kinds of relationships in our lives. This is going to tackle some heavy stuff, so I want to point out some important features in the later guide. One is the theology note on page 116 where we unpack what Paul means by the word submit. So I think a lot of people get hung up on this. And you'll certainly have students, especially um, some of your female students in your group, that might get hung up on this as if um, Paul's demeaning women. But that's not the case. The term submit means to subject or subordinate. However, Paul here uses the term in a way that carries the idea of voluntary submission that resembles the way that Christ submitted to God the Father out of love for him and out of love for us. So it may describe Christ's submission to God. It can also describe church members' submission one to another. Look at Ephesians 5.21. It also refers to believers exercising, exercising the, of their prophetic gifts or wives submitting in marriage. This um, later u- latter use about wives submitting in marriage refers to voluntary submission. That's really important that we get that right. It does not suggest that wives be slaves or servants of their husbands, and it certainly never calls for a husband to demand submission from his wife. This would not be the voluntary submission that Paul had in mind. The word differs radically from the word which describes the role of children and slaves who are to obey their masters or their parents and so forth. Uh, Being submissive to one's husband doesn't diminish the equality a wife has with her husband or diminish her dignity. Christ himself is our model of equality, coexisting with submissiveness. He was submissive to God, yet is completely God himself. Um, and so, anyway, I just that points out that I think there's actually a lot of dignity in the command that Paul gives to wives here. Um, this isn't... Um, This isn't a thing that diminishes anyone's character, that diminishes anyone's value in any way whatsoever. Like, there's something really beautiful about the way that Paul calls wives to live here in a way that would um, respect and show honor to their husbands. That's really all this is about, is um, living in ways that um, point people to Jesus. And Paul's demonstrating one way wives can point people to Jesus through the way they live can point people to the gospel. So, um, yeah, I hope that helps you uh, not get hung up on that passage. Another key thing that, um, that, that is talked about here is slavery, um, which is a big deal, right? And we need to be really careful to help students understand what this is about and what Paul is and isn't saying. And I think for a lot of us, we get worked up because we're like, why doesn't Paul speak out against the evil of slavery? Um, and so this is tackled on page 119 on the, his, the history note. It says, while Paul did not speak out directly against slavery, we do see in his words a significant objection to the way it was practiced in the first century. While first century, century slavery was not, as a rule, ra- racially motivated um, in the ancient Near East, it was often enacted to pay off debts. In other words, it was more financially motivated than, than racially. 
but there was still a sense that slaves were the property of their masters. So there's their their personhood, their their value as image bearers was being diminished through this practice, even though it wasn't racially motivated. It was still diminishing. Uh, it was still um, objectifying. So then this note goes on to say, the way Paul challenges masters to treat their slaves acknowledges their equal dignity before God. So Paul actually treats them as just as valuable before God. Um, he did that earlier too. There's, in Christ, there's not slave nor free, right? Um, we're all we're all valuable to God. We're all equally in need of his mercy. We're all equally offered his mercy and grace. Um, Paul even points out that the spiritual inheritance of slaves is every bit as valuable and that their allegiance should ultimately be to Jesus, not their masters. We see in Philemon how the gospel motivated Paul to speak up on behalf of an escaped slave. So Paul's relationship to God actually moved him to to speak up and defend and advocate for for an escaped slave in a way that was really important um, So uh, to, to that escaped slave, right? Um, so, um, yeah, so while Paul does not start a campaign to end slavery in, in the New Testament letters, we do get some indication that he was against slavery, that he opposed it by the fact that he wrote this letter, by the fact that, um, you know, that, that the things he said, right? Remember also that all of Paul's writings in the Bible are letters to churches that address those particular churches' situations at a particular time in history and those churches' particular situations and needs. We should not expect his letters to address every social problem and every social ill. Um, so anyway, I think we just need to let go of this desire for the Bible to answer every social problem that we have today because those weren't the problems of that era, of that time. Um, people had a different view uh, of, of, of those, those problems. That's not to say that slavery isn't a massive problem. It is. It certainly is. And um, we can be so thankful for the progress we've made, and we can pray for further progress towards racial equality and, uh, and justice. Um, and we should pray for those things. Um, but, uh, but again, let's, let's not expect the Bible to address social problems the way that we want it to, right? Um, and I think that's what's going on here. So I hope that helps you a little bit. But I also want to point you to question number six of your leader guide. It says, how should Paul's words here shape our relationships with other people? Um, see, the way Paul paints this picture, the, the picture he's painting is that the risen Jesus is the master of every person from the weakest to the most powerful, from the most influential to the least influential. Um, if we really believe this, it should radically reshape our perspective on all of our relationships. Every human being bears God's image and is offered redemption in Jesus. So we don't get to say anyone's not important. We don't get to say anyone is less important than us. We should never think of ourselves also, on the flip side, as less important than anyone else. We matter to God. You matter to God. Every one of your students matter to God. Everyone around them matters to God. As followers of Jesus, we're called to love all people and look for ways to point all people to the hope that we have in Jesus. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Explore the Bible Students Leader Training Podcast, where we equip you, the leader, to teach the Bible and point students to Christ. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Spotify. You can also find the podcast on ministrygrid.com.